That Metal Interview. Welcome to this episode of That Metal Interview podcast with myself, James, all the way from the state of Texas in the U.S. And in the world of metal and the world of rock, we exist online at jrocksmetalzone.com online rock radio 24-7 jrocksmetalzone.com and our podcast that metal interview podcast can be found on all digital formats including spotify iHeartRadio, google podcasts tune in and so forth and so on so thank you for your support to all you guys and girls thank you to all the rock rockers metal and metal heads out there like myself and i'll cut my conversation short i'll stop talking too much and uh i will let you listen to our awesome sensational conversation with the great and talented lady jen majura of the world renowned evanescence Yes, ladies and gentlemen, I am talking about Evanescence, the very badass band led by Amy Lee, who doesn't know Evanescence. And one of her guitar players uh, spoke to us, sat down and talked to us and chatted with me, with myself. Uh, Jen Majura uh, spoke of um, her experiences with uh evanescence she also spoke to us on how she got the gig and she also answered many many fan questions that she did not have to sit there and talk and talk and talk (laughs) so anyways that tells you she is very very dedicated to her fan base and fandom as she called it and she just she is just a very down-to-earth person and you guys will see uh when you hear her voice and our conversation so the talented janet majura enjoy people i understand you work at your own music school when you're off the road right can you talk about uh, about that for the people who don't know that okay well i own a music school um since uh, 2000 and what was it like 14 I've been a teacher before that um, and now I own that music school we have a great teacher staff group of awesomeness um, but I have to say I quit teaching there regularly like um, in last year pretty much last year because I couldn't handle it any longer you know you, you teach those kids which I love but then you're on tour for like two or three months and yeah. then you go back to teach them and you literally start off from scratch again. Like <laughs> it doesn't, it just doesn't work if you teach them every two, three months. So yeah, it broke my heart. And so I, I told them like, guys, I love you from the bottom of my heart and I will do master classes and, and teach every now and then when I can. Um, but I don't have like a, like a, you know, like the regular students any longer, but I still own the music school and we are famously known for being a little bit different to the normal music schools. (laughs) How's that? Why is that? Because we're cool, you know, I mean, I remember back in the days when my parents sent me to music school to learn the piano at the age of four, it was really old German folk songs, like not fun music. It was kind of like, you have to play that. Yeah. And, you know, I think the student comes first. So if I have a guy who totally enjoys Iron Maiden and Judas Priest, fine, awesome. Let's dive into that. And then on the other hand, maybe there's a guy who likes country music. Well, good, good, great. Let's dive into that. You know, it's, I think it's wrong to, to put a student that is, learning an instrument out of curiosity and passion for a certain kind of music to push him or her into your way just because you think that is the right way to go. I think it's it's more of a um, you shall inspire the young people. Of course, there's like music theory and exercises. That's, that's a given. You have to deal with that every now and then. But yeah. if you inspire a young musician, for example, 
um, and show him more beauty in his way of playing and his style of music and his taste of music. You can create beauty. Create sounds horrible, but you can you can really form beautiful musicians. And I'm very proud that two of my students. Um, one had um, like a like a scholarship for Berkeley College in Boston. Man, made me proud like crazy. So it's it's beautiful to see students grow. That's so awesome. I actually used to work at a a, a music school too. I mean, well. Oh, nice. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. So. Uh, you know, the same thing, guitar, and uh, I'm not as good as you, of course, or, you know, but uh, ah. I can familiarize, I, I can relate to to what you're saying about the Judas Priest, yeah. you know, a kid coming in and, and wanting to right? learn. I mean, what's, what's the point? Like, I'm little Mickey, and I want to play Judas Priest because these are my heroes, and then there you have a guitar teacher that tells you, no, first of all, you have to learn classical guitar, yeah. and then you have to learn, like, um, old Beatles songs. Of course, you start off with easy songs. That's what you do. Because I remember back in the days when I learned the guitar, my first song that I wanted to play <laughs> was God Gave Rock and Roll to You by Kiss. Yeah. But how the heck are you going to play God Gave Rock and Roll to You by Kiss with those gazillion chords if you <laughs> if you only can manage a fucking C major chord? Right. So it's impossible. Then my dad was gracious enough and he took me to a music store, which was it was like exciting and he was like, daughter. I'm going to buy you one um, VHS tape. In Europe, we had VHS tapes back in the days. Yeah. And I picked Richie Cotson's Rock Chops. Awesome. I sat in front of that TV for my parents, and I, I, I was losing my mind. I mean, I didn't understand a single thing. I was able to play C, A minor, F. F was hard. Yeah. And then G. And then there was this guy like noodling up scales down, up and down, up and down and in, a, in a speed that I couldn't even, my ears weren't even listening that fast. So um, after having a really frustrating time with that tutorial back in the days, I remember I threw my guitar into the corner. I was like, I'm <laughs> never going to touch that again. This <laughs> instrument sucks. <laughs> and um, it took me a couple of, actually almost three months, I didn't touch my guitar. I mean, I was a kid back in the days. I was like seven years, seven, eight years old, and I, I, I literally was like, I'm not, I'm not made for this. Really? Maybe I'll become a great chef, or maybe I'll become a great, I don't know, something, a race driver, something else. But I'm not made for playing the guitar. Oh wow, that went through um, your mind. That actually went through your mind. Wow. <laughs> yeah, as a kid, you know. Yeah. I never had, I never had the thought of becoming like, you know police fireman kind of that kind of thing that or yeah. you know like like a become a vet yeah a uh, i never had that but um i was sure that i'm not made to play the guitar until one day i saw a documentary about slash and i don't know you know all musicians have bad days and some documentaries portray your personality in a very charming good way and some are just not so that was a documentary that was just not and i thought well if that guy plays guitar the way he does why can't i do that right. and that was a very enlightening moment for my inner self to understand that it doesn't make sense try to race a formula one car when you're supposed to sit on a fucking bobby car you know like do <laughs> right. baby steps do what's in your range in your in your playing abilities do not try to to reach the ultimate super goal already within the first week of playing yeah. and then i started to really sit down and and focus on practicing like um spend time with my instrument and i would practice like i don't know up to five six seven hours a day really as soon as i finished my homework of course i came home from school did my homework and then I, it was all guitar while everybody else you know was gathering in the city listening to stupid boy bands music and spice girls and stuff uh -huh. like that and i was in like oh my god steve Vai, awesome music yeah um yeah and that's how it all started awesome awesome story well um well Going back in time, um, let's talk about your your beginnings, shall we say. Would you say the all-girl ACDC tribute band you had was the beginning of your career, musical career? Well, I would definitely say that 
this was the first band that I founded, that I established, and I did everything for that band, meaning in terms of, uh, you know, website. Uh, back in the days, it was MySpace, I believe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. Oh, God, it's, it's, it's so long ago. Um, and I did the booking and, and, you know, just like the merchandise, like everything. So... I wouldn't necessarily call it the beginning of being a professional musician, but I would definitely call it the time and period in my life where I learned a lot. I sucked up a lot of, a lot of shit and I learned a lot how to do it right, how to not do it. And it's just been like those four years of, you know, working your ass off just yeah. to to gain experience you know i sometimes i would sit in my car with with, with my drummer back in the days for 21 hours just to arrive fall out of your car um put the gear up on stage do sound check play the show fall asleep like a dead person and then the next day drive 21 hours back Damn. it's and it's that kind of um experience which I believe still keeps me humble and yeah. down to earth because I know where I come from and I know what a struggle it can be. You know, mm -hmm. it's also the fact that I played in that ACDC tribute band and we've been touring quite like in Europe, you know, we played Switzerland and Austria and we even played in Russia, Netherlands, Belgium. So we covered a couple of countries well. and that time just taught me a lot and that's also a reason why I would never ever, talking from where I am right now or where I am allowed to be right now, I would never take anything for granted, you know? Not a single fan, not a single of our crew guys, not a single hotel room or the fancy tour buses, you know? This shit is, is awesome, but it's not, it's not something you should take for granted and see as your everyday given. It's right. something awesome that you're allowed to experience and I think it's very important to still stay humble no matter how long you're in the business, for how long you've done that and for how long you've been playing your instrument. When things like that happen and you're allowed to be on a tour where actually people work for you to make your tour life more pleasant and we have a, a, we have a beautiful crew. We, can, we don't consider them crew with Evanescence, it's more like they're part of our family. Yeah. You know, and, and we all are grown together as one big team, which is also n apparently not a normal thing from what I've heard. Um, but if we have a day off, we would all, for example, gather for a barbecue, you know, like and hang out. And, and it doesn't matter. So the drum tech, he's, he's buying the steaks and, and Amy and me, we make the salad. And, and the, our Pro Tools crew guy, he does the guacamole, you know, it's... We are one big team because what a lot of famous and successful artists often forget uh, is that one doesn't exist without the other. Right. You know, you can't be a phenomenal, great, big show artist without that phenomenal crew that always has your back and always is there. And the other way around, I mean, you can't be crew with when there's no artist. And I'm really... I'm really blessed to be working in this Evanescence camp with so many fabulous people. It's so cool how, how you're so down to earth. I mean, I've seen your interviews and... Uh, oh my God. Yeah. I <laughs> You've mean, been stalking me. <laughs> <laughs> I, actually, I call it research. <laughs> okay, good. But, <laughs> so uh, you're in a famous band and that's awesome. And you're so down to earth, you know, I mean, you're... You're very humble and, you know, as you said, right? I think it's, you know, I think it's important um, because for my personal taste, those days in the 80s where you had that mysterious rock star with all the throwing TVs out of the hotel room window, you know, <laughs> I think these times are kind of like over. It's time for all of us and I mean fans as well as artists as well as everybody working in the industry um, just to be human because we live in a world where everything we see and everything we consume is very very highly perfectly overproduced 
It started back in the days when they realized, oh man, I can have backing vocals like 164 tracks backing vocals. So it sounds yeah. super awesome, but it's very clean and it has no no guts, no personality left anymore because it's too much production. Yeah. The same goes for triggering drums, for example. I'm a big fan of, of drummers. And if I see that the actual personality of the musician is taken away by triggering and putting everything into perfect spots, I'm, I'm not a fan of things like that. So I always think the biggest plus nowadays is when you still, not still, when you know who you are and you have a very honest personality that is out there. You know that's that's yeah. that's the big deal for me. It's I don't want to I don't want to be that asshole rock star just yeah. to think that I'm cool. I mean, I, I, besides that, I don't think it's cool. But <laughs> right. yeah, it's, it's just we're all humans, and I don't make a difference in between fans or musicians or you know all sorts of people are. We're all the same, and I don't see why why somebody would think he or she is a yeah. um, more a person of more worth and yeah. value just because you're allowed to stand on a stage in front of a lot of people I would always go for the same you know the same power the same energy the same attitude for every single show that I play whether if it's for 10 people or 25,000 it doesn't matter because those yeah. 10 people who show up for your show it's not their fault that they're just 10 you know they deserve right. the same show and and if, if you have too much attitude nowadays, I think it's very unsexy and yeah. it's just not cool. Oh, yeah. Um, very, very true. I saw an interview where you speak of the different... About Nuno Betancourt. <laughs> well, that's, that's another one, yeah. Right? I mentioned Nuno Betancourt in every interview. <laughs> that guy's badass. That guy's he's, he's, he's a beast. Yeah, he's, he's the man of my life and I'm still waiting for his call to take me out at dinner. But... <laughs> You know, well, hasn't happened yet. I met him a couple of times, and each time I turn into this mute moron because whenever he's in my in my you know in my kind of like close to me, like standing like a couple of feet apart, I turn into this fangirl. It's really embarrassing. It's <laughs> I, I don't find another word. It's really embarrassing, it's and okay. I, I I start talking bullshit and I start sweating and my heart is racing. It's <laughs> it's so ridiculous. <laughs> Maybe you're a true fan of his, or you're you're in love, or you know. He's been one of my first guitar players that I discovered. Um, you know, a lot of people go like, "Yeah, you like Nuno because he's fucking fucking super handsome, dude." <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? At the age of eight, you don't have that. Right. And at the age of eight, when I discovered first of all Steve Vai, which was a, a, a mind opener for me because. We don't have to explain Steve Vai. I mean, he's he's like, he's not, just he's just amazing. He's not human. <laughs> well, he is, thank God. <laughs> but he carries so much wisdom, and for all the things that he has done for the history of guitar and gu electric guitar music, he's a legend for me. So I discovered Steve Vai, and shortly after that, um, Extreme with uh, uh, Pornography, and it. The way Nuno plays is very, I, I love his way of playing because he plays for the sake of music and for the sake of the song. You know, a lot of guitar players, us guitar players, we're most of the time show off people. So we would go like, yeah, guitar player album. So it's noodling up, down all the time. It's like way too much. Yeah. And N Nuno has a very tasteful way of playing. Plus also... He knows when to shred and he knows when to shut up with his guitar. And he's got a very percussive, cool, rhythmical way of playing that I haven't really discovered in a lot of other players. And mm -hmm. it just appealed, like I loved his way of playing and, and the attempt of his understanding music and performing music. Um, and then, of course, I mean, then there were all the other crazy guys until um, recently, I don't know, not recently, but... Guthrie Govan and Matthias Ia Eklund and all these fabulous musicians out there. Yeah, so, well, yeah, Nuno. Okay, now I mentioned Nuno. Nuno, give me a call. If you hear this, please call me <laughs> and uh, we can go on. Sorry. <laughs> hey, you never know. Yeah, you never know. 
He'll, he'll call you. That watch. That will never happen. <laughs> he will. He'll call you. Watch. <laughs> awesome. Also, I was going to ask you. Um, I'm not going to ask you the question that you always get about <laughs> how you got the job. What's with it like it. to be a female guitar player? Oh, that's another one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, <laughs> or how is Amy D in private? Or how did you get the gig with Evanescence? That's a, these are go. like the top three of top three questions. Top three questions. I did. Uh, <laughs> yeah, people know how you got the job. I think. I understand you were playing bass with a band when Alex Skolnick discovered you. Right? Is this true? Yeah, you really did a good job on the research. Yes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it was. Um, I was back in the days part of another band and I played the bass in the band. I remember the singer texted me one day and he's like, uh, on social media, he was like, hi, um, I'm the singer of the band, blah, 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 and we're looking for a bass player. So I replied, naturally, it's like, hi, I'm a guitar player. Good luck. Bye. Really? <laughs> and then he was like, I know, but we still need a bass player. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought to myself, well, you, you know, why not? I mean, I'm always open-minded for new opportunities. And I think that in every situation that you are being thrown into by life, by circumstances, by whatever, you will learn and you will, you will discover new things. So I thought, okay, why not? So I'm going to play the bass. Well, yeah. it's not like my first instrument, but you know, why not? That's cool. Yeah. Um, and I joined that band for one year. And uh, it happened to be two shows on one weekend. We played Friday and we played Saturday, two festivals, one in the south of Germany and the other one in Czech Republic. And Testament had been on the same billing. Wow. So I've always been a big Testament fan because I, I loved Alex Skolnick's playing oh, ever yeah. since I discovered him because I truly believe he's one of the really, really rare, really rare people that are accepted in both camps. Um, some of the listeners might not know, but Alex Skolnick also plays uh, his own jazz trio, you know, and it's, yeah. it's it's pure jazz. And then the jazz people would go like, ah, he can't understand jazz. That guy plays metal. What a punk dude. Right. And then, on the other hand, the metal guys would go, He's he doesn't have the balls for metal. I mean, come on. That, that guy, is, <laughs> that stinks. He plays jazz. But funny enough, Alex is accepted in both camps equally and I think that's a wonderful really beautiful thing besides the fact that on a human personal base he's just a wonderful person and he watched me play that gig with that uh, uh, that other band and I remember I burned my fingers I had blisters on my fingers because it was so hot when we played that show oh, really? it was not pleasant it was uh, it was one of the hottest shows I've ever played um, and uh, yeah a couple of like like a week after that, I received a um, an email from Alex, and he said, "Jen, some of my friends are going to contact you. I can't get into detail, but let me tell you, I think it's something you should say yes to." Wow! And I, first, first of all, I read that, and I was like, "What the heck is he smoking? Like, I, I don't know <laughs> what he's talking about. Like, what are you? What are you talking about, Alex?" And then I received that mysterious email, and I didn't even finish reading the email. I read until the question came if I would consider joining Evanescence, and I immediately replied yes, and then finished reading the email. So, wow. Yeah. So, so how, it's Alex Golnick of Testament. He's the reason why I got the gig. <laughs> wow. Um, so how did you feel when, when, when you got that email from, from Evanescence uh, Management? I mean, how do you feel? It's like hitting the jackpot, right? <laughs> it's, it's, right? I've never been, I have to say that I've never been a crazy fanatic Evanescence fan. Yeah. You know, I, I, I've i never hanged posters on my wall of Evanescence. There was, you know, Steve Vai, Nuno Betancourt. Um, but I was aware of the songs, of the singles, and I bought the album back in the days, and I loved it, and I listened to it, like, for weeks, like... That's, that's amazing song material. Oh, yeah. I mean, we don't ha we don't have to discuss Amy Lee's voice. I mean, she that girl oh. is phenomenal. Super talented. Um, as a musician, not only a singer, but as a musician and also as a person and a friend, she's a blessing in my life. Um, yeah. And how do you feel when out of a sudden, like a band of that size asks you to join them? First of all, I thought maybe they just want to have like a session guitar player, uh -huh. you know, like 
just yeah. you know for a tour or something or a couple of shows yeah but um they flew me to new york a couple of days later and i was just hanging out with amy talking you know spending time we took walks we went to restaurants we went to a concert uh sat down in music stores played music together um i was at her house and it was just like getting to know each other on a on a human base and now i want to put the quote in which i do each time I'm at, at this spot at interviews because Rob Zombie of, uh, well, in the movie Hired Gun, Rob Zombie said something so, so true. To replace a member of your band is the easiest because the world is stuffed with great, talented musicians. But then you got to find somebody who's got the cool to be on a stage in front of 25,000 people, um, who's willing to live on a tour bus, you know, yeah. like that's, that's a whole you know committed lifestyle you have to bring with that comes with joining a band like that and that shrinks the list down to less people yeah and the biggest biggest task is to find somebody that you can be around with for 24 hours because that concert only lasts like 90 minutes what about the other 22 and a half hours every day on tour you got to stick around those people and the last thing you want to have on your two of us is, is an asshole. Right. <laughs> so that human factor is really very, very important. And for my personal taste, um, I can't speak for anybody else, but for my personal taste, the human factor when it comes to touring and working as a band, it's more important than shredding scales up and down. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we spent time together and... We sat down in that music store, we played music together, sang together, and then she looked at me and she was like, Jen, have I told you? <laughs> and I was like, what, do I have a pimple in my face? Heck. <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, you got the gig! Wow. And that was July 2015. Man, it's five years already. Five years, I'm only Yeah, yeah that, I saw that somewhere um, where... Uh, that's very true. Some musicians don't get that. Some local musicians don't understand that. Oh, there, not only local musicians. Trust me, there are people everywhere who everywhere. don't understand that. <laughs> yeah, living on the road is just a whole different animal, right? Uh, absolutely. I mean, I don't get me wrong. I, I love touring, yeah. and I sort of hate it as well because it's exhausting. It's very demanding physically and mentally. Um, I also have to adjust to learn how Evanescence tour compared to what I've had before because, you know, a mid-sized German metal band, you would be out on the road living on the bus for, I'd say, 35 days. But hey, you guys, you have to play 33 shows. You only get two days off. To, to We have to break even. And you, being on tour until I, I learned how it is like to be on tour with Evanescence was pain. Like, my body was in pain. I was covered in, you know, I had bruises all over my body. I never got enough sleep because you sleep different on a bus and then you don't get the hotel rooms. You don't have the opportunity to take a relaxing shower after the show. It's just like yeah. run as long as there's hot water. Kind of like that. That's where I come from. And yeah. the only two days off you get are fucking traveling days when you're sitting on the bus with 22 beds but 24 people. Yeah. You know, that that's kind of like how I was used to touring and Evanescence are in a very very nice position that we are able to tour in a way that doesn't destroy you <laughs> right <laughs> so I really do enjoy being on the road with Amy and the guys plus it's you know in every camp there's usually this one person where you go like ah that dude stinks <laughs> and we we don't have that. We really don't have that. A lot of cool which people. Is yeah. such, it's such a wonderful and really rare thing to, to have a, a party of people traveling together where everybody is cool. And I am, I am, that is something I really don't take for granted. Amy is very good with, with people, you know, with building a good camp. And that's something really beautiful. And I miss our crew. And if any of our crew guys listen to this right now, I love you guys and I miss you. Awesome. Awesome. Um, it's cool how uh, you keep in touch with your fans on social media. 
Uh, so you're, I do my very best. <laughs> so cool. I mean, you're jamming with different musicians and you're singing. And uh, very cool cover of Gloria Estefan, by the way. That was pretty cool. Oh, thank you. You watched the one. Oh, man, dude, tell, tell me about the one minute gems. It started off so innocent. Yeah. Because I was on the phone one night with my friend Kyle. Uh, he plays drums for Marco Mendoza. He's a guy from the UK. And we've been talking, blubbering, you know, like, oh, how's your corona self-isolation going? And then I was like, you know what? Why not? Let's jam a song, but not jam as everybody else is doing it. Because nowadays, in that situation that we have going on right now, the entire internet is crowded with too long Instagram lives, yeah. too many Q&As, too many living... My, God, by now I know every single living room of every musician that I know. Right. It's too much. And I I just wanted to find a way to spread positivity because that is what I think the world needs the most these days. Positive vibes, hopeful vibes, you know, like a smile. Instead of all complaining, how is your situation in your country? Are you allowed to go out? No. Yeah. And I wanted to create this um, series of one minute jams that spreads nothing but good vibes it's not about being the super virtuoso on your instrument it's not about hmm. being the most metal song or it's, it's the only thing I care about is good vibes and so I did that cover of Blame It on the Boogie together with Kyle and my friend Alan Brantini from Croatia on guitar who's also my something on 11 partner and it was fun You know, people responded like, oh, this is amazing, yeah. cool, fun. And the length of one minute and a couple of seconds is exactly the length of time you have to focus to a video yeah. nowadays. Because if I start watching a Q&A or an Instagram Live, I find myself leaving that Instagram Live yeah. after a couple of minutes because the attention is gone. Um, and so this next one was my friend Björn Fricklund on drums who plays for my all-time favorite band uh, for my all-time favorite band Free Kitchen from Sweden and Mr. Mastermind Jan Seffeld of Panzerballett on the guitar and then it started the whole level of these one minute jams became oh god what kind of word am I using insane Insane. Let's use the word insane because the next jam was Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thal yes, on yeah. guitar and Mr. Mike Tirana on on drums. Yeah. So that video set and, and every video that I, I started working on became more and more in, insane and while I was editing I was shaking my head. I'm like, I can't believe that these people decide to do that with me. I'm like, I'm sitting here in my little village in Germany with my little laptop, you know, and, and these legends, these these awesome, world-known, famous, incredible, breathtaking musicians are deciding to do a one-minute jam, jam for the sake of good, positive, happy vibes. And I love that. And by now, I'm... If you could see what I'm editing, like, right before we, we started talking, it's... I can't believe it. <laughs> really? I mean, that guy sent me the files last night and I looked at it and in unbelief, in complete unbelief. Good stuff. So huh? I'm blessed with a lot of great musicians that are willing to share my passion for making people happy. Well, I got to tell you, you have a, you have a lot of fans. You have tons of fans. Uh, oh, you can tell, you know, I know, uh, I got a, a bunch of fan questions here. If it's okay with you, you know. Oh, uh, awesome! Go ahead. We're not gonna get. To, we're not gonna get to all of them. That's how many there are. <laughs> But oh my God. that's up to you. So here, here's a couple. Oh, uh, I've got all the time in the world. It's coronavirus, time, right? You know. Awesome. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, Thomas, a fan by the name of Thomas says, "Do you know if any unreleased song from Evanescence broken record?" We'll find a home in the bitter truth, maybe perfect dream that Amy teased back in 2010. Okay, that is a, definitely a question for my boss to answer because I yeah. don't have a fucking clue. Yeah. I'm sorry. Right. <laughs> I'm sorry, Thomas. I can't answer that. Awesome. Elliot says, uh, what is the biggest thing you've learned from Amy as well as being an Evanescence and how has your time in the band affected you? 
oh my god how much time do we have <laughs> um to answer that question okay to i try to make it a, a compact answer okay cool um what i've learned from amy oh that's a tough one right? nobody has ever asked that um well i i for sure remember during our um time of touring with our synthesis album i remember a lot of times where the two of us after a sound check you know she would sit down and play play the grand piano and i would just stand there next to her and we would go through vocal lines and and how i could sing backings you know because it was a, it, for me personally it was a very special tour we had with that album because there were no backing vocals uh-huh. from 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 samples it, it was just like literally it was live it was happening it was so live as it can get like playing with the local orchestras which was amazing and then having these two voices amy lee and me that was one of my biggest blessings so far with evanescence i think because i learned a lot i learned to read amy's um you know you're you're sitting on a stool and i watch her breathe i watch her body language while she's performing to the audience and as an artist you don't sing every song the same way every night um, yeah. and i i understood how to adjust my vocals perfectly underneath hers to give her vocals the possibly best shine you know it's it's not about hey i want to sing louder than you or shit like that it's yeah. it's how can you how can you do your very best as an artist and a creative person to make the song that is happening right this minute in in that moment that you're in how can you make this moment the best possible thing ever and i've learned a lot about singing on that tour which is because she taught me a lot and and i i, I loved it. it it was amazing also um i've realized that we both have a very similar um, work attitude i would say like we both are female and here it comes my favorite topic how what's it like to be a female um yeah. it's it happened a lot of times that you know guys would talk to you like oh yeah little girl in my case for example back in my acdc black thunder tribute bands like people would go like oh do you need help with your amp do you want me to put the cables in <laughs> and i'm like fuck off motherfucker i can do that myself i'm not an idiot right so that is some sort of um experience not necessarily with the cables but the whole attitude yeah. is something that happens to a lot if not to all female musicians and i truly love amy for being that awesome strong woman knowing exactly what she wants and she knows what she's doing and that is something really beautiful because if you don't know what you want and what you're doing um the business can within a heartbeat form you into a plastic puppy and then yeah that's it that's and it. and she never let that happen and she she's very straight with her ideas and her thoughts and that is something i really really appreciate of her um and how has evanescence affected my life jeez i mean yeah. just it's just like i said before it's just like it's the best <laughs> it's a change of lifestyle I've, for sure yeah not really my lifestyle you know i would still drive my little tiny shitty car and <laughs> that's that's so awesome but, wow. but you know it changes um for me personally what has changed is that out of a sudden you have you've been given a voice due to the fact that you're allowed to be part of this awesome great band and it, out of a sudden people listen that brings a lot of responsibility like be aware of what you say be aware of how you say it and be aware of the message that you send and i've very very quickly decided that my message that i want to send to the people who listen to my voice is that you have to 
be a good person in life, you have to see positive sides. You have to just not be miserable. And that's, that's I think, one of my big, biggest tasks. Yeah. Maybe that's why people listen to me. I, I don't know, because I'm always like, whoop, whoop, positive and ginger and little. <laughs> so, I don't know. Here's another fan question. Um, would you do a couple? I don't want to take up the whole day. <laughs> Uh, oh, absolutely. Fire away. I've got all the time, like I said. <laughs> right. After the Something on Eleven album, do you already have other project ideas? <laughs> That's an easy one. The answer would be no. <laughs> really? Um, no. I mean, people always expect us musicians to, to think years ahead, you know, like... And I guess most of the people expect me to go like, yeah, there's a new solo album. Yeah. Cooking, but it's uh, it's not. <laughs> I had to write a couple of tracks for you know clinics, and I played at NAM in Los Angeles and Anaheim this year, and and then you 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 don't want to repeat yourself, so that's when I write music. For example, back in the days with my M company, I had a video shoot, and I was like, ah, what I'm gonna record? I gotta write a song. So there are a couple of instrumental songs already sitting on my computer but I don't really think about writing the third Gemma Jura solo album mm -hmm. right now because 2017 I put out Insanity and yeah. um, that album is my heart my soul my flesh my blood my everything great stuff by the um, way great stuff thank you thank you so much um, it's Every musician usually has that little tiny spot on an album where you go like, nah, it could have done better. But I don't have that with that album. This album turned out to be exactly what I wanted it to be. Um, uh, Booklet-wise, style-wise, mix-wise, sound-wise, songwriting-wise, like everything is just awesome. And I'm terrified as an artist that I can't keep up to that, you know? like. Your newest album should always be your baby, the, the biggest thing you've ever done, you know, yeah. you're so proud of it. But I'm just terrified of that feeling that I can't reach that level of satisfaction for me as a songwriter and musician. And probably that keeps me from my third solo album. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Good answer. Wow. Um, Maria is asking uh, what was her favorite part of the Wasted on You video and which parts were the most fun and less to record <laughs> oh god <laughs> um, uh, oh god <laughs> um, I think the most challenging part was because I had it set in my brain I wanted to do it it was the tear Oh, there yeah. is this one scene where I saw that, yeah. I'm like I'm staring into the camera and there's a tear dropping out of my eye even Amy texted me when she saw the footage she was like I can't believe you got that tear going on wow it took me it took me hours I was staring into the camera for hours and I'm like what am I gonna do how, how am I gonna make make this tear work no. so my my conclusion was just don't try to blink stare into your own phone for how many minutes it's, it takes, it doesn't matter. Just stare as long as you can until your eyes become water and yeah. that tear finally drops. <laughs> so that was, I guess, the most challenging part. Wow. Uh, one, of the, one of the funniest parts shooting from my end was the bathtub scene. Yeah. Because um, I have my, my best friend and his girlfriend coming over to help me filming because... You know, like Amy and, and Troy and Will and Tim, they all have the husband and, and the wives and people around in their household that can help. I didn't. So I asked my best friend to come over and he's like, what are we going to do? And I'm like, yeah, you're going to shoot a video of me sitting full clothed <laughs> in the bathtub. And he's like, aha. <laughs> right. So it was quite funny because his girlfriend had to turn on the shower And I was sitting there and it was a matter of seconds until it was too much water or not enough water. That was really funny. We had good laughs with that one. Yeah. Awesome. It was a very interesting um, experience recording the video footage for Wasted on You. Those First awesome. of all, I think Amy said that in another interview um, recently. It was a very, uh, you know, we're all very 
private people. I mean, even though I have a lot of contact with fans and I interact a lot with them, but yeah. in the end, still there's a private Jen Majora, and um, we all had a little moment where we were like, "Really, you want to shoot in my living room? Um, you want the world to see how my bedroom looks like?" Um, <laughs> you know, that's that's what you think in that moment, and I've 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 decided that there are a couple of spots which are fine. And I also decided there are a couple of spots which are not fine. And so I, I, I made my made up my mind and shooting all these videos and getting the, um, um, the email directions from Paul, Paul Brown, who did the whole video, who was amazing, a good friend of all of ours. And um, he said, like, Jen, look at this. Tim is leaning against the wall. Can you do something similar to that? I said, okay, sure. So I shot the videos, shoot it over, and he's like, awesome. And then it was like, Amy, look at this. Jen is walking through that hallway. Can you do a walking scene? It was really fun and a new experience to to shoot a video like that. Awesome. I've never done that before. <laughs> very, very cool video. I saw that. Uh, here's another. Thank you. Here's another fan question. Um, you have a very unique voice. Should we expect some vocals or backing vocals from Jen? And Evanescence new album. Take care and stay and stay safe. Oh, thank you. Um, well, so far we've recorded four songs, and then the whole pandemic started. And you know, for me right now, as being in Europe, it's it's super tough because I can't even enter the country, um, and the whole thing just stopped us in a very sudden way. Um, And uh, in the studio, while you're recording, the real magic happens when you gather together with your producer and you're in that room. And that's the moment when all the, the suggestions happen, you know, like the magic happens. The whole song kind of like becomes one it's it's like making the dough you know like you have the eggs you have the flour every single ingredient but then when it all comes together it's like oh now the magic is happening yeah there you go <laughs> and um it comes together a great time yeah yeah exactly and then you you finally get a clear vision of of the direction where each and every single song will go to So it's been really fun recording in the studio, um, and I've learned a lot. I've been very, you know, I, I, I was watching a lot what's going on because I, I've never been in a studio like that with Evanescence, and it's kind of intimidating. Um, recording my own solo stuff, I had a clear vision. I told, hey, you're the drummer, you play this, you play that, you go this, you go that. Yeah. But... Uh, Being in this room with with Amy and the boys was just um, overwhelming for me, and uh, we definitely came up with some uh, <laughs> uh, very interesting recording ideas. And I I remember one specific thing. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to tell that yet, so you have to ask my boss about that. <laughs> right. uh, but it was a very funny moment where Amy and me recorded something late in the evening and it was it was just funny and also yes um we all sing on that album because after we've published the chain i mean that was a song sure it was a cover and i love the song from fleetwood mac in the beginning so it's it's a great song but our take on that song was um I don't find the right words. It was so big. It was so yeah. overwhelming and beautiful. And I love, love, love the fact that finally each band member got to sing on that song. And if you listen really closely to the last chorus parts, you can hear each one of us sing. And I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big sucker for good vocal arrangements. I love that. And I think it's, it's, phenomenal and beautiful that we all sing together so that is happening on the new album i guess too so let's wait and see it's too soon to tell yeah we, we just recorded four songs so it's really tough to talk about the album as everything is still in progress 
Well, thanks for the insights. Cool, cool, cool. Here's a <laughs> here's a, a question from your Canadian fan club. If you were given a chance to act in a movie, what genre would it be, and type of character would you play? Uh, second question. Yeah. <laughs> Rita, thank you so much for this awesome question, Rita. You know, I am very good with my fan club admins. Cool. I'm in touch with them. Awesome. And I, I think that's important because these are people who commit to, to your stage persona and to your personality and they support you and, and spread the word. And that's why I, I'm in, in a really like almost daily contact with my fan club admins. So, Rita, what movie would I... Oh, God. Um... Am I supposed to say like horror movie or action movie or something like that? <laughs> I'm not sure. I, I don't know. It's up to you. Um, I would probably play SpongeBob in the next SpongeBob movie. That's that's wow. That's pretty me. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm a cartoon fan too. Wow. <laughs> nice. I would live in in a pineapple under <laughs> sea. So yeah, that's that's me. So I I would be SpongeBob. <laughs> cool answer. Wow. <laughs> uh, Lebanon fan club. Uh, since you since you are friends with Simone of Epica, ever thought of doing a collab <laughs> with the band like you did with Sevi? Oh, Rola! Thank you very much for the question. Um, well, I you know Simone and I we we've known each other for years because. Epica is a European band there from the Netherlands, and she lives close to where my parents live in the south of Germany. Um, and we've been friends for quite some some time now. Um, but I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. You know, yeah. these are things like these kind of collabs happen or they don't, but you don't know. You just can't go like, yes, for for sure, one day I'm going to marry Johnny Depp. Like you can't say that. Yeah. Um, that was a weird comparison. I'm sorry. Um, but uh, for sure, maybe uh, she wants to join one of my uh, one-minute jams. So we'll see. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we'll see what the future holds for us. Uh, fan question. Uh, if you could organize a festival, where would it be and who would be on it? <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> what kind of questions are these? Right? I really picked the good ones. <laughs> oh, Oh my God! Where would the festival take place? And who would be on it? Oh, who, like band-wise? Okay, let's start with the bands. That's easier. So I would totally book Free Kitchen because I love the, these guys. I love their music. I even have the Free Kitchen bullhead like tattooed to my wrist, so they're in my heart. Um, I would book Free Kitchen. Oh. <laughs> um. Okay, of course I would book Amy and the guys. Like we would play, of course, of course right? Yes. Sure. I would also book Viridia, our um, all-time favorite support act. They've been out on tour with us a couple of times. Um, who else? Would I, how many bands do I get? Right. <laughs> um, it's a good question. Probably, I would like to book Arch Enemy because I think Elisa Whitegloss is one of the most fascinating professional front women out there with an incredible attitude and life understanding so for sure yeah. plus i'm friends i'm friends with jeff loomis so that would make sense i would book arch enemy cool um they they can they can co-headline of course evanescence is headlining right of course of course <laughs> um, uh, oh god this question will put me into <laughs> it so much trouble um who else uh I would love to have everybody on that festival, of course, but um, maybe also because I'm a big Testament fan, I would probably book Testament as Testament. well. Testament, awesome. Um, and okay, now everybody's going to hate me, but I'm a sucker for the music of Five Finger Death Punch. Yeah. So <laughs> good stuff. Yeah. Five Finger Death Punch. I love them. Ooh, and from my prop kind of uh, loving heart, I would book also Sons of Apollo with uh, Ron Bumblefootal and also Mike Mangie, uh, Mike Mangie, Mike Portnoy, sorry, and uh, Billy Sheehan and and Jeff Scott Solo and Derek Sherin, like all these amazing guys. There are too many mics playing drums, by the way. Have you ever noticed that? Yeah. There's so many mics playing drums. I know Mike, Mike Portnoy, Mike, yeah. 
Mike Portnoy, Mike Mangini, Mike Tirana. Why is why is every second drummer's name Mike? It's really confusing. <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's a anyway, name. I think that's my lineup. That's my lineup. Free Kitchen, Sons of Apollo, Five Finger Death Punch, um, Arch Enemy, Testament, and Evanescence. There you go. There you have it. And it would take place in uh, uh, Sweden. Awesome. <laughs> Be- because Ooh. I love Sweden. Man, Ooh. I'm sweating right now. That was a hard question. <laughs> it made you sweat. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, we'll do one more question. Uh, it's just too many questions. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, Michaela <laughs> asking, how does it feel to know that many people around the world cry with emotion during the shows? Uh, um. I can tell you how it feels. I mean, I've seen it so many times. When you're on stage, the the emotion and the energy that is giving to you as an artist on stage from the audience is what makes a live show a live show. You can't get that with a FaceTime or a live stream. It's it's impossible because you, you look into, you look into the eyes of these people in the audience and even if you think we don't see you we do see you yeah be well aware of that we do see you um and it's that it's like a magical moment for me you know like it's that energy give and take it's like an energy exchange that really creates a magic for me because it's beautiful to see how you can connect Maybe I've never met you. Maybe I I have no clue who you are. But yeah. in that moment, when that song is happening, that one moment, that one part, it doesn't matter because we're all in it together. And that's what creates the magic of a live concert. Um, we played uh, an acoustic version of My Immortal um, back during my very first shows with Evanescence in 2015. And I sat there on a stool playing my acoustic guitar and I looked over to Amy and she was singing. And I, I couldn't, I, I, I couldn't handle it. <laughs> I started crying wow. on stage while playing my instrument because I couldn't believe the fact that I am allowed to be part of this. That's so cool. Also being part of the beautiful fandom that we have you know Evanescence fans are very special they are very emotional and very very special and different to other types of fans that I've have witnessed in my life and I'm I'm super grateful and and thankful for the fact that we have these amazing loving giving creative beautiful fans and to be able to connect with those guys within a second with a song with music is the most beautiful gift that a musician can get wow what an answer awesome answer uh before we go uh, any message you want to send your fans out there i love everybody <laughs> <laughs> now um <laughs> i mean we're living in a crazy time and this will be over we all have to stay safe and sane and we have to stay healthy and happy so please guys wash your hands be careful and uh hopefully see you out there as soon as touring is allowed again awesome jen we appreciate your time for our podcast thank you uh thank you so much you had awesome questions really thank you like i enjoyed this a lot this was fun (laughs) what a conversation what an experience what an evanescence experience we all had here very extremely down-to-earth talented gen majura guys and girls um we really hope you guys enjoyed our conversation on this episode of that metal interview podcast with the talented and lovely gen majura of evanescence so Uh, Thank you guys for subscribing to our YouTube channel, That Metal Interview Podcast. And thank you for subscribing and checking out our rock metal website online radio station, jrocksmetalzone.com. Tune in to our radio station. Um, Check out our website for further interviews that are coming up very, very soon with many different rock stars and metal stars. 
and don't forget to keep it metal. That metal interview.